Is That Really in the Bible presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. I want to talk today about the uh, Holy Spirit of God, the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, because of what an important subject it is for us and to us. In the book of Acts, there are statements about the leadership of the Spirit. And I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but it's just certain comments about the Spirit. Now, keep in mind, this was the the beginning of the New Testament church, the day of Pentecost, the power of God had been poured out upon them. But there are certain statements like, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. I mean, you know, you think, about it, okay, then the Spirit said unto Philip. Was it an audible voice? I mean, how did he know? We don't know the answer to that. But the point is, the Spirit said, Go join yourself with this person. And Obviously, he knew what to do and, and did just what the Spirit was saying to do. Then there's another comment. When Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men seek thee. Now again, here's another concept, another example. Then the Spirit said, you know, three men are seeking you. Another statement it says, And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Um... And when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia, and Paul was pressed in the Spirit. So here we have a concept, okay, Paul was pressed in the Spirit. Another concept, a statement is, In finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul, through the Spirit, that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Okay, here's the Spirit saying you shouldn't go up to Jerusalem. And this was through the Spirit. And then another statement it makes in the book of Acts. It says, and they were going up into a certain town. They had made plans to go to a certain town, but the Spirit suffered them not. In other words, we're going there, but the Spirit said, no, you're not going there. <laughs> so we, we see examples of two times it says the Spirit said. Uh, we have the Spirit bade, bade them, uh, pressed in the Spirit, through the Spirit, and that the Spirit suffered them not. And it seems we see these expressions in the early New Testament church, but as you, it's almost as if you only see those kinds of statements in, in the book of Acts, that of how the Spirit was working mightily there. Those kinds of expressions such as, the Spirit said, uh, pressed upon the Spirit, through the Spirit suffered them not, the Spirit suffered them not. So I'm beginning to wonder, okay, are we missing something when it comes to the Spirit of God? Are we overlooking something when it comes to the Spirit of God? Does the Spirit of God still speak to us today? Uh, maybe the Spirit still speaks, but we're just not listening, or we're not in tune to the Spirit. Or, God forbid, that the Spirit has stopped speaking to us, we don't hear it because it's not speaking, and that's a bad situation to be in. I mean, uh, hopefully none of us fit into that category, but if, if, if a person ever gets into that category, that is not good if you're not hearing anything at all from the leadership of the Spirit of God. Uh, we need to take note, note of that one if that was happening, but God forbid that would be happening to any one of us. And, and again, how do you know the difference between your own desires, your own voice inside your head, and the Spirit of God? Because we all have our own desires, and we all have that voice inside of our head. And how do you know whether it's, it's, it's your own or the Spirit of God? Now, I want to look at today why maybe we don't hear the Spirit of God speak to us. And one of the first reasons I want to touch on and I'll explain this more in detail. And it's found in John 14 and verse 16. John 14 and verse 16. It has to do with sort of a, a view of the Spirit of God. <clears throat> Maybe an isolated, singular view of the Spirit of God. Okay, why we don't hear the Spirit of God more in our lives. John 14 and verse 16. I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Now, one of the reasons I want to touch on is, is maybe because we only look at the Spirit as an expression of comfort. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, God, the Spirit of God does comfort us. But that's the only direction that we're looking at. That it, you know, it encourages. It's a pat on the back. It comforts us. And so, 
you know, if you only look at the Spirit in that light, well, then you're only looking at it from a certain, you know, tone of God's Spirit, or however you want to look at that. Only an expression of comfort. Now, they say that we human beings are, there's a couple of ways that we're motivated. One is called away from motivation, and that is we work away from the bad thing that we don't want to happen in our lives. And like if, you know, your boss says, look, if you don't get your act together, you're fired. Okay, I, don't, I want to move away from that. I, you know, that's one way we move away from, this is, this is away from motivation. We move away from the thing that we don't want in our lives. Another form of motivation is towards motivation. And that's when maybe your boss says, look, you're, you're going to get a, 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 a pay raise and, and two or three weeks vacation. And he promises all these good things that we want. And so we want to work towards that. So away from or towards motivation, away from the things we don't want or toward the things that we do want. But truth of the matter is, most of us, is, is, it's a little bit of both. We're motivated both ways. Truth, truth of the matter. A little of both ways. Now, I think we need to understand this when it comes to the voice of the Holy Spirit, that God obviously knows what motivates us. You know, what gets, what, what, what we need, whether we need a good kick in the butt or where, whether we need encouragement. God understands this. I think there's a large variety of ways the Holy Spirit might express itself to us. And not all are positive and not all are negative. It's a mixture of both. And people can tune themselves out to certain tones of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're, you're the type of person that's sort of hard on yourself, you may only hear the negative sides of the Holy Spirit. You know, if you're really tough on yourself, hard on it, sort of beating yourself up, you know, I once read a book that said the average person tells himself 200 lies a day. And it was a, a book by William Backus entitled Truth Talks. But if you're that type of person, you may only see the negative side of what the Spirit is saying to you and, and overlook the positive. Or, on the other hand, if you're very positive, you may only see the, the positive side of what the Spirit is saying to you and overlook the negative things. The kick in the butt that you need, whatever. <laughs> and I'll explain more about only looking at the positive side a little bit later toward the end of the message. Now, the word comforter here, the scripture that we just turned to in John, the word is an intercessor, consoler, advocate, comforter. The word advocate, it means to favor actively in the face of opposition. To okay, you got this advocate that comes along beside you, the Holy Spirit, and it means to favor actively in the face of opposition, which sort of tells us something, that in your calling, there will be opposition that you come up against. It may come from your family, it may come from husband and wife, whatever, whether they're in the church or not, depends on that. It may come from your family, it may come from your boss, but there's going to be opposition with this calling. And... Uh, when opposition comes your way, what do you do? Do you crawl up in a fetal position? Do you condemn yourself and say, oh boy, I'll never do that again? Or do you go to your father and say, Father, what do you think? What's the spirit? What's my advocate thinking here? It doesn't matter so much about what people think. What do you think? Do you consult that advocate, the Holy Spirit? And we should. When, when we're faced with opposition. I'll give you some examples here on the YouTube channel. A comment here about I, uh, what law did Jesus abolish? It was a, one of the uh, little mini messages I gave. And, you know, I, this subject, okay, how did Jesus fulfill the law? People love to cling to that concept. Well, look, I know the law's been abolished, been fulfilled, been done away with, been nailed to the cross. And when you start explaining Something a little bit different, that the word fulfill doesn't mean abolish. As I explained before, a cup half full, and Jesus is going to fill it full with what goes on between your ears. You know, you've heard it said of old time, don't commit adultery. But I say unto you, if you so much as, you know, look, which, which is what's going on between the ears. And so in that sense, he fulfilled the law. But 
People don't like that. You know, they're like, no, 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 no. He, he, he abolished the law. He, he, he did away with it. They, they get upset when you start presenting something that, you know. And anyway, one person said, uh, I, made it th I made it seven seconds. Now, the video was longer than that. It was, I don't know what you could get out of seven seconds, but uh, I made it seven seconds. Might want to grow up and speak like an adult. Uh, another one, what if Jesus came to your church trick or trunk or trunk or trick celebration, you know. Uh, person wrote, said, I couldn't even get past two minutes. Well, two minutes is better than seven seconds, but, uh, but your logic is faulty. You are acting like a Pharisee in the Bible, getting all wrapped up in rules and forgetting about the relationship you should be sharing with Christ. I don't see anything wrong with offering a safe alternative to trick or, or treating in, at the church. So, uh, you know, okay. You know, I tell you what people overlook about this. I once had a person say, you know, you've never looked into the eyes of a child carving a pumpkin out at trigger tree, you know, in the church. You never, the joy they get. And, uh, yeah, I understand that. Children will believe anything. They believe in rabbits that lay eggs. They believe in a Santa Claus fat man comes down the chimney. They will believe anything. But these children are going to become adults. They're going to become teenagers. And teenagers can identify when someone is not authentic. The reason teenagers leave the church by a phenomenal rate, I mean, they're out of there and never to come back, is because their parents' religion is not authentic. There's nothing authentic about uh, 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 Halloween in church. There's nothing authentic about, you know, okay, my parents lied to me about Christmas and Santa Claus. Maybe they lied to me about this Jesus thing also. You know, if you want to have an authentic, if you want to impress upon your children an authentic religion, you, you do this. You say, this is why we're doing this. We're keeping the Sabbath because God says so. We're keeping the feast because God says go to the feast. We're, we're keeping, you know, we don't eat that because God says don't eat it. You know, that's how you create an authentic religion with your children. They got to see more than just, oh, and then, then, then people raising their hand, oh, I love Jesus, and dressing up for 30 minutes. You know, they got to see, it's got to go beyond, it's got to, your will has to be activated. And when they see that, it becomes authentic to, to children. They say, hey, this stuff is real. My parents evidently believe what they're saying because they're doing that. <clears throat> but, so you have to come, when opposition comes your way, it doesn't matter what man says, what you, you need to consult, what is the advocate saying that comes along beside you? What is the spirit encouraging you? Forget about what people are saying. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't at least acknowledge that as maybe I should accept it as a form of correction. But more importantly than that, what is God's spirit saying about this? How should I look at this opposition that is coming my way? Again, to favor actively in the face of opposition. I like that statement. So if you're a person that's very hard on yourself, often you'll just see negative tones coming from the Spirit. When opposition comes your way, you'll say, that's it. Never doing that again. I'm not going to get myself in trouble again like that. <laughs> But listen to that still small voice. You know, the Lord was not in, you know the story, the Lord was not in the wind, the Lord was not in the earthquake, the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. Speaking of Elijah. And you think about, okay, wind, earthquake, fire. What is that? That equals opposition in your life. But the still small, what is God saying? What is the still small voice saying? God's Holy Spirit. The still small voice is one of the ways that God speaks, but it's not the only way. In other words, if you're only listening for that still small voice, you may miss the shout. Like, you big dummy, what are you doing? You don't want to miss that either. You don't want to miss the different tones of God's Holy Spirit that He may be speaking to you. If you only in tune with the still small voice, you'll miss all the other expressions of the Spirit of God. Now, I mean, there's a thing called a, a tone deaf. 
You know, it's, it's, it's not noticing small differences in musical pitch. You know, maybe you've ever, I used to have a friend that, uh, I think he was tone deaf because he would try to sing along with, with, on the radio. He would ruin every song that would come on the radio. It's like, please, don't, 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 don't do it. And he would start singing. And he was so out, it was like what he was singing did not remotely resemble what was on the radio. And you, these people, they say, a tone deaf, they, they can't, yeah, they can't match it up. They're hearing something a little bit different than you're hearing. And uh, it's like, don't quit your day job, you know, uh, whatever you do. Now, you know, I have tinnitus in one ear, and there are pitches, pitch of sound that I don't hear. I have a, a, a watch that goes off 6 o'clock in the morning. And uh, it's sometimes in the drawer or on the counter, and Tracy will say, don't you hear that beeping? And sometimes, you know, if I turn my head a certain way, I can hear it. But if I turn it back this way, I don't hear any, I don't hear high-pitched noise. You can't hear them. You know, it's just, you got it in both ears. Whew, boy. But, uh, <laughs> but I think sometimes that may be an example, the reason we're not in tune with the Holy Spirit. There are certain tones that we're just not hearing. The Holy Spirit should always be music to our ears, the positive, the negative, the correction, and the encouragement. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's sort of, again, musical tones. You know, if we come over here to this keyboard and we think, you know, I don't like that. It's too high. Uh, and then maybe down here, I don't like that either. It's too low. But I like it in between somewhere. That, it's comforting in between. But you're missing other tones if, if you're... You don't want to miss anything just because you're focusing on one area. In the movie, uh, <clears throat> Rigoletto, um, he's accused of, you know, the, the townspeople think that he's taking their land and property. And Bonnie comes to them and says, says, comes to Rigoletto and says, are you taking these people's property? And he says, no, I've never taken anything from these people. And she says, well, why don't you tell them? Why don't you just tell them you're not taking anything from these people? And he said something very profound. He said, people only see and hear what they want to see and hear. What I have to say can't get past their ears, much less into their hearts. Could this be true when it comes to our relationship with God? That we are only hearing certain tones when it comes to the Spirit of God. At the feast, I, I <clears throat> gave a, a seminar on survival skills, you know, physical survival skills, and then made the transition to spiritual survival skills that we need to have. But one of the survival skills is the Holy Spirit can be hard on you. That you have to be hard on yourself, first of all, to survive. But I sometimes think we sort of overlook that the Holy Spirit can be hard on us. Because sometimes it can have some rough talk, what I call rough talk. Now, you know, doing construction work for the biggest part of my life, I know what rough talk is all about. I mean, you know, contractors don't mince words. They don't beat around the bush. You know, they just come out and say something and, you know, rough talk. And, and uh, I, I think sometimes the spirit might say, look, you idiot, you're doing it again. Well, do you hear that? Uh, I even think the spirit might say, look, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're not supposed to call each other fools, but it's perfectly okay for God to call, us, call his creation a fool, especially if you're acting foolishly. So I, I think, you know, I think many people cannot hear the rough talk of the Holy Spirit because they're only looking at it from a positive or a comforting aspect. They're not hearing certain tones of the Holy Spirit. Now, when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, how do we, we respond? Let's take a look at 1 Samuel 3 and verse 4. 1 Samuel 3 and verse 4. I like this story. When the Holy Spirit speaks, how do we respond? 1 Samuel 3 and verse 4. <clears throat> it says, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel was a, you know, a child, I think, at this age. But, and Samuel said, here am I. And he ran to Eli and said, here am I, for you called me. He said, I didn't call you. Lay down again and go to sleep. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you did call. And he answered and said, I, I called you not, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Verse 8, 
1 Samuel 3 and verse 8. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you did call me. And Eli perceived that the, word, that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that you shall speak, saying, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel, Samuel went down and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Now, I don't know if the intensity each time was greater. I know the fourth time he says, Samuel, Samuel. Maybe there was a different tone that time. But three times Sam, Samuel was not in tune. The question is, are we in tune with the Spirit of God? Speak, for your servant hears. That's a powerful statement about being in tune with the Spirit of God. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Now, how do you know the difference? I asked this question earlier. Between your own desires, your own voice inside your head and the Spirit of God. Well, I think, you know, that little uh, story in, in the book of Acts where they were going to go into a certain town, but the Spirit suffered them not. I think it, that little story gives us the answer as to how you can tell the difference between your own desires and, you know, the voice inside your head and the Spirit of God. I don't think those people when said, you know, should we go into this town, you know, God, should we go into the, to this town and then spend the next 20 years waiting for the answer. No, that's, that's not how the Spirit works. Once you are in motion, once your feet are on the ground, the leadership of the Spirit will either open or close the door. In other words, you have to be a body in motion in order for the Spirit to lead. Uh, and, and just because the Spirit closes the door, that's not a bad thing. That can be a good thing. That can be a direction. You know, don't, don't go in that direction. So when we ask, okay, how can you know the difference between your own desires and your own voice inside your head and the Spirit of God, God can only direct a body in motion. So you have to start going in a direction to discern, okay, where is the Spirit leading me? I mentioned earlier that there are some people that only hear the positive side of the Spirit of God. That's all they focus on, the positive side. Now, in the book of Revelation, you don't have to turn there, but there's seven times there is this expression. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Man, you know, one minister said to grab these things on both sides of your head, and if you got those, he that has an ear, let him hear, let you hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And you have this seven times, and you know, with those churches, only two churches have a what I would have a, what I call a positive affirmation. The rest, the other five, sort of negative. And you know, it's a strange thing that many people in the Church of God claims to be the Church of Philadelphia because there's a positive affirmation connected to that church, Philadelphia. Very positive and, well, not very positive, but somewhat upbeat. Um, but you see, I think those people are deftones to anything negative. Are we in tune with the frequency of God's Holy Spirit? And there are many tones that I think we can hear. And I think we have to be in tune with all of it on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, are we in tune with the Holy Spirit? Or, as Rigoletto said in the movie, people only see and hear what they want to see and hear. What I have to say can't get past their ears, much less into their hearts. We don't want to be in that category. So the Holy Spirit should always be music to our ears. The positive, the negative, the correction, and yes, the comfort and encouragement. If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net.